Hi, and welcome to the Savvy Psychologist podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. In today's episode, we'll tackle a challenging issue. Listener Yvonne from Dublin wrote in and asked if it's possible to help individuals who get into one abusive situation after another. Yvonne wants to help a friend, but is getting frustrated. Her friend defends the very people who hurt and manipulate her and protects those who take her money and belongings. Yvonne notes that her friend suffered abuse as a child and again in a marriage. She wonders if there's a connection, but mostly she wonders, how can I get through to her? How can I help? And if I can't, how can I cope without being dragged into her choices? Therefore, this week, we'll examine some common challenges that abuse survivors face, how to help, and how to set some boundaries to protect yourself. First off, it's important to say that there is as much diversity among people who have been abused as among people who have not. Many individuals who were abused grow up to be highly functional adults and model parents, but through no fault of their own, others aren't so lucky. They face an uphill battle, like these four common challenges faced by survivors of abuse. Challenge number one, a sense of worthlessness. It's frustrating for outsiders to see someone they care about get treated like a doormat, but many individuals in abusive situations have been taught that if they're being treated like this, they must deserve it. It's been said that the way we speak to children becomes their inner voice. So a constant stream of put-downs like, you'll never amount to anything, or you're stupid, or a contemptuous tone sets a child up to believe he doesn't deserve respect. Grown up, this translates to a sense that they have no value and therefore don't deserve common courtesy or even safety. Challenge number two, guilt. Many abuse survivors think the abuse was their fault. Consider the brainwashing that happens in abuse situations. Abusers tell kids or partners, okay, now you've done it, you asked for it, or you know you want it. Believing they provoked such an extreme response makes a victim think she must be responsible, must have deserved it, and can change the outcome if only she, quote, behaves next time. Of course, none of these are true. And survivors also often feel guilty for not stopping the abuse, even if they were little kids when it happened. Many therapists will ask survivors to bring in a picture of themselves at the age when the abuse began. And seeing just how small and innocent they really were can do wonders to challenge the notion that they were somehow responsible. Challenge number three, helplessness. This is a tough one for outsiders to wrap their head around. They ask of people in abusive situations, why don't they just leave? One answer is that for many individuals who go from one abusive situation to another, abuse is perceived as normal. Think about it. If you had never known anything but violence and disrespect, you would think that was just how life was. You would assume the future to be just as bad as the past and present. Our listener Yvonne noted that her friend allows people in her life to take her money and possessions. And sadly, this is pretty common. Kids who are raised in abusive environments are taught that their needs are a burden and their rights are non-existent. So crying or wanting comfort may have been met with violence. Boundaries and privacy might have been ignored. Or ownership of items may not have been respected. Abusive parents often help themselves to kids' savings or belongings. And survivors have been disappointed or punished so often that they may think they're helpless to stop others' misdeeds. Challenge number four, reenactment. 
to the exasperation of those who truly love them, people who were abused often date or marry a series of abusers or find themselves in abusive or exploitative, quote, friendships. Why? Again, there are as many answers as people involved, but here are some of the biggies. One is that people who survived abuse may have been taught that love and violence go together. Abusers sometimes insist they love a child, even while they're being abusive, such as, this will hurt me more than it hurts you, or this is for your own good. Next, some survivors may believe that all relationships include abuse, and that getting close to someone means getting hurt or betrayed by them. Some, but not all, survivors think they can fix things or change the abuser if only they try a new tactic. This goes back to the guilt aspect. For example, if I do things differently, they'll change. A final reason goes back to the worthlessness challenge. Many survivors have had their self-esteem stomped on to the point that they're grateful to be in any relationship, think they'll never find anything better, or think that they're so broken or damaged that if they don't take what they can get, they'll be alone forever. Abusers might contribute to this by saying no one else would love them, pretending the abuse isn't so bad, or insisting that the victim is just being dramatic. So, what can you do if someone you love keeps getting into abusive situations? First, know that it's normal to feel helpless and frustrated. You can't rescue them. But what you can do are these five things. Tip number one, be an exception. When an individual keeps getting into abusive situations, be an exception in his or her life. Be loving and respectful. Listen to and believe them. Be reliable. Do what you say you're going to do. In short, be everything their abusive friends are not. It will show them that at least one person believes they are worth treating with respect. And that may make all the difference. Tip number two. Oddly, keep it about you. What I mean is to use I statements. I'm worried about you. It's not okay with me that he takes your money. I'm scared this will happen again. When you use you statements, like, what were you thinking? You need to get out of there. You can't let her do that to you. It quickly escalates into blaming the victim. Plus, it demonstrates you're not a safe person to talk to. So instead, using I statements, let him or her know that what's happening is not okay with you and that you know they deserve better. Tip number three, balance boundaries with support. The hardest part is watching someone you love get out of an abusive relationship only to go right back. You breathe a sigh of relief only to start the cycle again. Some people give up on their loved ones and you wouldn't be alone if you threw up your hands and walked away. It's crazy making, but do your best to stick it out and be supportive. However, you don't have to feed the fire. If money you lend always ends up in the hands of the abuser, you can stop giving financial support. If you're hosting a family gathering, you can refuse to invite the abuser. You can decide never to leave your kids if the abuser is present. It's a balancing act, but it's possible to set boundaries to protect yourself while simultaneously being supportive. Tip number four, know that you're allowed to change your mind and then change it back again. Being supportive is a choice you make every day. Some days after they downplay a black eye or defend an emptied bank account, you may simply be unable to remain non-judgmental. You're only human and you can only be disappointed so many times, but you never have to call it quits for good. After a few weeks or a few years, you may be ready to reach out and reconnect. It's painful, 
but likely not as painful as letting them go forever. Tip number five, encourage help. Finally, encourage them to get help, not because anything is wrong with them, but because you suspect they've been taught lessons that are not true. What was learned, guilt, helplessness, worthlessness, can be unlearned with time and patience. Bottom line, you can love someone without approving of their choices. You can't rescue them, but you can say over and over, it's not your fault. You're worth so much more than this. I'm here for you. I love you. If the Savvy Psychologist is useful to you, let me know by subscribing. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or subscribe to the newsletter at quickanddirtytips.com slash newsletters. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and next week we'll tackle a related topic, how to set boundaries for healthy relationships with friends, family, neighbors, and anyone else in your life. In the meantime, a transcript of this episode and the entire Savvy Psychologist archive is always available on quickanddirtytips.com slash savvy hyphen psychologist. And of course, the Savvy Psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and doesn't substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. Thanks again, and I'll see you next week for a happier, healthier mind.